the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, I apologize for last week. I had to put up an old recording uh, program. Um, there is no excuse. Uh, I, I've got a lot going on. I know I'm here. I am giving an excuse, but you know there really is none. I I should plan ahead better, but I do apologize for that. Um, so we're going to try and get through all of chapter four of the book of Acts to get us back up to date with what we're doing on Monday night. If you, if you don't know or if you don't remember, I am also working through the book of Acts. It's on video on YouTube with um, Monday night. And I do about 15, 20, <clears throat> 20 minutes there. And it's open to questions. It's live. I, I take questions. Now, so far, I haven't gotten any questions. None. That oh, I wish I would get a few. But uh, I do encourage folks to jump on there and post questions about the, the text we're looking at, or if they want any Bible question they have, and I will deal with it. Or you can email me. Uh, the email address is office, O-F-F-I-C-E, at N-V-C-O-C.net. So that stands for the North Valley Church of Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, I want us to go ahead and jump straight into uh, what's going on here, uh, Acts 4. The, the context, you know, the, the dust has settled from the, the Pentecost event, but certainly not the, not the influence of that memorable day when the church first began. So to the 3,000 baptized that day, there have been daily additions to the Lord's people. Uh, and now the number has reached 5,000. On this day, when Peter and John are in prison, which will be here in Acts 4, something extraordinary had occurred at the temple. you got the healing of a lame man, we'll see, which led to Peter's sermon in chapter 3, and the rejection and imprisonment. That, well, I'm sorry, that will happen in chapter 4. And so we're going to be looking at the first circumstance of opposition to Christianity since the church began on that day of Pentecost. So let's approach this incident and this text in the way that Luke has laid it out for us. And I also want to remind all my listeners out there, this is a look at how the church began. And this is not the, the church of the Baptist, the church of the Catholics, the church of the Lutherans, the church of the Church of Christers, or anything like that. It is simply the church that belongs to to Christ. When someone was baptized, they weren't baptized into any organization that we have set up here on earth. They were simply baptized into Christ. And they were simply Christians and nothing else. 
And that's all I want to be. Maybe that's all you want to be. Nothing more. No no man-made creed. Nothing else. Just a Christian. And that's what we want to be here at the North Valley Congregation. We're just Christians. The name on our building is a description, not a name. It is a description of who we are. We are a church of Christ. We belong to him. And so here in the book of uh, Acts, Luke gives us a look at the persecution. And then he allows us to hear Peter's proclamation. Now the persecution is verses 1 through 7. And we, we learn several things here in the first few verses. But let, let's read it. It says in verse 1, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them. All right, who are these folks? Well, the priests were the religious officials that took care of the various functions and activities around the temple. They would certainly deal with the sacrifices that were made there, and these were a part of the tribe of Levi. Okay, The captain of the temple guard was also there. He would be the head of the police force at the temple, empowered to deal with any disturbances that were happening there. Then you got the Sadducees. They're there also. Now these made up a religious sect that um, they, they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in spiritual beings. And they certainly were opposed to the doctrine of resurrection. So now they, they were few in number, but they were the upper class among the Jews. And so they carried a lot of influence over the people. So all that, that, those are the people that are there. Now verse 2. Being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so here's why they are persecuting. Since the Sadducees' influence is present in this crowd of Jewish leaders, they're not happy. They're upset about the apostles teaching on the resurrection. Now, the apostles were teaching the resurrection in connection with Jesus, a man that these Jewish leaders also opposed as heretics. <clears throat> now, the persecution... <clears throat> sorry, I need to get a drink of water. The persecution is the result of closed minds that do not want to know the truth. And what I mean by that is that when people are satisfied with their religion, then they think they have the truth, the truth being whatever they believe to be the truth. And because they think they have the truth, then anything else is not the truth. The truth will always oppose what is false. And it certainly did here. When you close your mind to the truth, you will set yourself in opposition to it. For example, I try to approach the Bible uh, as if I'm approaching it for the first time every time. I, I try to open up my Bible and read, like for example, the book of Acts, as if I'm reading it for the first time. Thinking, oh, why do I believe what I believe? Is that what it says? Is it part of the context? In fact, uh, last night, while I was getting ready and studying through uh, the second part here of chapter 4, I learned something that I never really realized. I had always believed a certain way because that's what I was taught as a kid. But I've come to realize that, you know what, I don't think that's true. It's not a doctrinal issue, but, but we'll get to that 
probably next week. Maybe today, but probably next week. So anyway, so that, that that's why they're persecuting here in verse 2. Now, how are they uh, persecuting? That's verses 3 and over there in verse 5. But we'll, we'll read 3, 4, and 5. But many of those who had heard the message believed. And, oh, I, I, I skipped verse 3. I'm sorry. Let me go back up. <laughs> sorry about that. Verse 3. And they laid hands on them. So that's the, the priests, the Sadducees, the temple guard. They laid hands on them, the apostles, and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. So this, this is actually Peter and John, not all the apostles. It's Peter and John. But many of those who had heard the message from Peter and John believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000 on the next day. Their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. So first, uh, Peter and John, they're arrested, they're put in jail, and then the next day, they're brought up to a court hearing to defend their actions and their message. Now, any logical person would say that this persecution was unjustified. All that Peter and John did was make a lame man whole. Right? How bad is that? That's fantastic. If I had been on that council, I would have said, I can't believe you guys made a lame man walk. How did you do that? But the council's interrogation reads more like, man, how dare you do that? They're unconcerned about the healing of this man and the implications of that. Their only concern is that they want to put a stop to the new religion that had arrived in Jerusalem. These men, like so many today, are not interested in truth. They're more interested in maintaining what they had built up through the centuries. You know what? And today is also when you, I have found when I discuss the Bible and truth with those who are preachers or some sort of leader or teacher in some religion, And if it uh, contradicts what they've always taught, even though the truth is so clear and obvious in the context, they reject it. They reject it. I even see that happening within the Church of Christ. It's everywhere out there. We need to be a people who are truth seekers. And so it baffles my mind that this council would not just be amazed at what happened. But, you know, it is what it is. So, What they do is simply to ask a question that would give them the information they needed to indict Peter and John. That's what they want. And they ask, uh, where where is this at? Uh, Um, Yeah, verse 7. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? (laughs) So, by their asking this question, the, uh, uh, the apostles are given an opportunity to speak. Now, they're thinking that these guys you know, are Galileans. They're not too smart, not too bright. And they're, they're going to make fools of themselves. At least that's what they're hoping. So here we got the proclamation in verses 8 through 12. This is from Peter. And we learn in verse 8 that the message Peter gives is from God. He says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you 
and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. So, Peter's message uh, that he gives is from God. Luke tells us. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, which means that he is filled with the supernatural power of God. So we know what he says comes directly from God. And the message of Peter's proclamation has three points. Number one, Jesus has the power to physically heal. We see that. That's verse 10. So he states emphatically that the man standing before them was made to walk because of the name of Jesus. But Peter notes uh, something significant about the, uh, this Jesus in two statements. Number one, whom you crucified, the Sanhedrin council, by their actions, were accusing the apostles of wrongdoing. So Peter is now pointing the accusing finger back, saying they are responsible for rejecting the Messiah. Second, God raised him from the dead. Peter saying that God overruled the Jewish leaders and simply brought Jesus back to life. The Jewish leaders had voted to rid the world of this man, Jesus, but God overruled that vote by saying, nope, you won't. He's alive and is the one who activated the power necessary to bring forth the miracle. And then finally, Peter notes that the sick man is evidence of who Jesus is. Now, Peter had already stated that Jesus was the promised Messiah that the Jews had been anticipating. He is saying that since Jesus is not dead, but living, and since it is Jesus that gives the supernatural power to the apostles, and since these exercise that power in giving this lame man the ability to walk, then this Jesus must be who he claimed to be, the Jewish Messiah and the Savior of the world. The fact that this lame man is now standing in their presence confirms what Peter is saying. You see what he's doing here? It's amazing. Now verse 11. He, that's Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. So Peter uses the very scriptures, probably, that this council used in their own teaching programs at the temple. Peter selects a passage from the Psalms, the 118th Psalm, verse 22. God predicted the coming of the Messiah and veiled prophecy as this one, using the imagery of building. The cornerstone was the one on which the entire building was aligned, sent by God. This stone was rejected by the Jews. So now the tables are turned here at the Sanhedrin Council. They probably thought they were going to make these guys look foolish and send them out with their tails between their legs. And here, lo and behold, uh, it's like they're facing two men that are exactly like Jesus. You know, and we're going to see that uh, in verse 13. Where it says, uh, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And we're, we're going to deal with that here in, in a moment. There, there, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, but verse 12, I want to, I want to get to that first. I skipped over it. So th this is stating that Jesus is the only means of salvation. And there is salvation in no one else, Peter says. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. This is it. Salvation has to do with a deliverance and the safety that results from being delivered. That's what you want. That's what I want. In fact, that's what everyone in this world really wants. 
But most people don't know the truth. The truth is hidden from them. Or they blind themselves from it. So it's up to us who are truth seekers and really know what the Bible says to be that light. And there's not many people out there who do that. You may think there is, but there's not. Not as you you may think. There's very few truth seekers left. And so we've got to get out there and, and be that light and salt. Number two, back here in verse 12. No other, no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Peter has already mentioned the name of Christ in connection with the great healing of the slain man. Now he associates that very name in connection with spiritual healing we all desperately need. The name of a person is really the revelation of that person, isn't it? And all that is connected to them. When you appropriate that name for yourself, as Peter and John are doing, and wear that name, you become the possession of of the one named and become and come into possession of what that name offers. And note the expression under heaven. It covers everything, the whole created world, and would include every generation of man. Men have men may try to promote the names of others who claim to have means of salvation for humanity. We know, we've heard them, but there's only one name. There's only one name. That is the name of Jesus. No other. Do not put yourself... I know, maybe I think maybe you've heard of the Church of Christ, and I've been called a Campbellite, because everyone thinks the Church of Christ was started by Alexander Campbell. And that's up for another discussion. But no, I, I think Alexander Campbell is doing exactly what I'm trying to do, what others are trying to do. We want to know the, the biblical truth of things. I'm not trying to be a Campbellite. I'm trying to be a Christian. So was he. I don't agree with everything he said, but I do agree with quite a bit of what he said. I believe that the Bible has not changed. That is, uh, 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 relevance was just the same back in the first century as it is for us. So when we look at the book of Acts, we're seeing what God intended the church to be in every single generation. That's what I want to be. And when we do that, great things can happen. Now, we have a, a plenty of time, so I want to see how far I can get here in chapter 4. And it's, uh, I'm glad that we, we got to this point. Let me get uh, going here in my back in my notes. I didn't think I would get this far. <laughs> so I better prep myself here just a little bit. So we're going to get to the um, council's reaction in verse 13. And I've already read it for you. This is where they, they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. So... They observed that confidence. They didn't expect it because they understood they were uneducated and untrained men. Now, not, not, I used to say, because I was always taught this, they understood it to be uneducated and untrained because they're Galileans. Uh, and therefore, because of their confidence, they're amazed. And as the New American Standard, that's the Bible I read, I like it, but they have a uh, the word and began to recognize now the word began is in italics, and what that means is that it doesn't belong in the or it's not in the Greek text. They added it in order to you know help us understand the text, but this does not help us understand the text because the uh, council here they know who John is. Did you know that? That's true. Um, let's see if I can remember where that's found. I think it's John chapter eighteen, verse fifteen. Let me go over there, John. 18, let me get over here to verse 15. This is when 
Jesus was arrested and brought to Caiaphas. And Simon Peter, verse 15 says, Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now, we're not going to get into it here, but that other disciple is John, who's there with Peter in the book of Acts chapter 4. So, uh, and so was another disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. They knew him. He's known to them. And so is Peter, actually. They know who both of these men are. That's how they know they're untrained and uneducated, in the sense that they've never been under a one of their rabbis, you know, one of their trained men. But they do know that they've been with Jesus. So get rid of the word began there in verse 13, and it would say something more like this. This would be more literal. And understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized them as having been with Jesus. In other words, they're, they're, they recognized that, man, Jesus was untrained and uneducated by us, but, man, he ran circles around us. We never had a word to say. And now we, we killed him, thinking we were done with this sort of thing of looking foolish. And now we got two men who are acting just like Jesus. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's what's happening here. They're, they're, they're frustrated, thinking they were done with this, and now they're dealing with two of them. And guess what? It's going to be 12. It's going to be 12 Jesuses. And the more they persecute, the bigger it gets. And the more people like Christ, they're going to end up having to face. So verse 14. So they, they see that. They recognize they have been, uh, that they have the same mind and heart of Jesus. Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Just like when Jesus was here. <laughs> I can see their frustration. But that's what's happening. That's what's going on. Now, so, uh, when they had ordered, but, verse 15, but when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another. So they're in this council room. They had nothing to say to Peter in his arguments. So they said, ah, get out. We got to confer. <laughs> we got to figure out what we're going to say. Just like with Jesus, remember when Jesus would confront them with obvious truths, and they would gather together. Well, if we if we say John is not from God, that the people will hate us, and if we say he is from God, we're confirming what he says. Uh, we'll, we'll say we don't know. <laughs> That's what's going on. Again, find themselves in the same pickle. So, verse sixteen. They here's what they say. What shall we do with these men? Oh, what shall we do with these men? That's your question? Unbelievable. So what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. See, they, they, this layman sat at the, the gate called Beautiful. If you remember our, our study from last time, go back and read chapter 3. He's been there for a long time. Everyone knew who this man was. They know he was lame. Even these men who've probably been through that gate, you know, 20, 30 times a day. They've probably seen this man hundreds and hundreds of times. They know who he is. And now he's standing there. So it's a note, not just a miracle, a noteworthy miracle. It's undeniable by all people. And even we cannot deny that it was a miracle. And they know no miracle can happen except by the hand of God. Hello? Hello, right? You would think this would click that they are not on the right side of truth here. But they're not interested in that. What are they interested in? Well, let's keep reading. But so that it will not spread any further, verse 17, among the people, 
let us warn them not uh, let's, let's, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name unbelievable that's their that's their goal stop this from spreading and when they had summoned them they commanded them that's Peter and John not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus and then Peter and John does it again just like Jesus they got the mind and heart these are men who have died to self and lived for Christ that's what they've recognized about them but Peter and John answered and said to them whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God you be the judge that's exactly right because they are the judges and they know what the right answer is they know the right answer is you do what is right in the sight of God and they know that would be the right thing because God is the one that gave the miracle they know that for we Peter goes on verse 20 for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard now we're getting close to the end of time so I can't go too much into all that and when they had threatened this is the council now when they the council had threatened them Peter and John further they let them go finding no basis no cause on which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened unbelievable on account of the people now there's nothing wrong with, with that per se but they ought to be doing things like on account of God but they're interested in keeping people happy so they got to wait for the right occasion. For verse 22, the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Unbelievable. They, they know. They know. But they, uh, they have no way of dealing with it. So they had to let Peter and John go. They, could even, they didn't even reply to Peter's comment. Because they know the truth. But they were going to deny it. They're going to put up the blinders. They're more interested in keeping people coming to them because that gives them the power and that power gives them the money. That's what they're interested in. They're not interested in the truth. And I believe there's a lot of people who, teachers, that are out there with the same mentality. They're interested in power. They like it. They're interested in money. They like that. But they're not interested in glorifying God. That, that causes you to lose a lot of things in this world. In this world. But you gain so much in the next. What are you interested in? You know. And God knows. And so as this program's titled, let us redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity we have. For the days are evil. As Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians. Well, our time is up. We're going to pick up in verse 23 starting next week. So I hope you can join me with that. And Lord willing, I'll have the opportunity to continue these recordings. Join me on Monday night on the YouTube channel. You can find that at nbcoc.net. Thank you, and God bless. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. To hear this program again, go to FamilyValuesRadio1010.com and click on the podcast page and find this program and many others right there on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.